So Sophie, thank you very much for being here today. Um, selfishly, this is a topic that I don't know a massive amount about. So I'm really, really excited to, to kind of learn a little bit more about. I, in nine years of coaching, have actually never had a female client turn around and be like, I'm pregnant. I don't know how that's happened. Wow. But it's mean, I know, right? Um, I said it the other day to someone, they were like, oh, are you excited for this episode? And I was like, it's probably the one I'm the most excited about. because I've never had a client get pregnant on me. And I was like, I need to think of a better way to word that. But yeah. basically in nine <laughs> years of coaching, I've never had a client get pregnant as I've been coaching them. Um, which me, And because I've therefore never done that, I've maybe never really spoke about it. So I've never had any inquiries come in from yeah. people who are, who are prenatal either. So it's not something I've ever really had to learn much about. And then over the last year or so, I've been going to a lot of different female health events and I probably didn't quite appreciate how obviously important that community can be. And if that's taken away from you, if you maybe have any kind of you know complications or anything happens and you kind of lose that community and that friendship group, obviously that can be incredibly detrimental to someone's well-being, which has made me kind of a lot more interested in pre and postnatal. So yeah, very excited to have this conversation with you today and thank you for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. I'm very honoured to have been asked and I'm so excited to talk about this topic because it's honestly something that lights me up and I, I have such a passion for it and um, so I'm I'm really like happy to be here and hopefully spread a really positive word about exercise during pregnancy and just yeah chat through all the benefits of it. Amazing yeah I think that would be a really great outcome is I think there's still a little bit of um, maybe miscommunication and, and misinterpretation of the kind of information people are consuming online regarding exercise in pregnancy and I think some people typically when they're confused and scared what you do you just do nothing right yeah. so they, they stop exercising or they definitely don't look to start so I think hopefully if we can share some uh, bits of information today that get people to to try exercise in pregnancy I think that would be a fantastic outcome yeah definitely I think also like so from a client point of view definitely making sure that you understand how beneficial it is and and to not be fearful of movement but also from a trainer point of view as well not thinking I I don't have this qualification I cannot be near a pregnant client like there's so much that you can do and if we want to really encourage people to keep exercising we need to kind of take away that that fear because I think if if we look scared about it then the clients are going to be scared about it as well yeah 100 percent. I think that we'll definitely try and get to that if that's all right in terms of like the the PT scope of practice and Mm -hmm. but kind of back to the the client perspective Mm -hmm. so why is strength training and, and staying on top of exercise important during pregnancy yeah okay so Um, So if you look at the Active Pregnancy Foundation, their kind of general guidelines to exercising or to activity during pregnancy is that you do 150 minutes um, over the week. um, And that's to include two muscle strengthening or kind of balance sessions. So I I would like to say as well that it's not just um, exercise, it's activity as well. So if you're in the place where you're like, oh, I'd love to do all this, you know, exercise that I've seen on Instagram or, you know, I'd love to get a PT, but you can't afford it because we're we're all in different places. First of all, any kind of activity is going to be beneficial during pregnancy, whether that's upping your walking, gardening, yeah. you know, videos that you've done that you can do off um, the Active Pregnancy Foundation has um, live workouts that you can do. So first of all, just to say that it doesn't have to be specific prescribed exercise as such. Um, But my passion is strength training during pregnancy. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. And that is my job. So from a strength training perspective, 
the way that your body kind of changes during pregnancy is that there's quite a lot of postural changes. So obviously, if you're listening to this, you can't really see it. But if you think about your... Um, if you think about the bump growing, everything is kind of happening at the front of the body. So what's happening is that the shoulders might start to round, your pelvis is going to shift, so it might um, tilt forwards, it might tilt backwards, which is going to change the way that your um, the, that your muscles are balanced, um, and your center of gravity shifts forward as well. So generally, what's going to happen is that some muscles are going to become tighter and some muscles are be- going to become weaker, which then leads to aches and pains that you might experience during pregnancy and it's kind of been in the past said that you just need to put up with these pains but actually what we're finding now is that pain doesn't have to be a requirement of pregnancy there is things that you can do to help with that pain so that's one amazing benefit of it and we can go into that kind of if you want to go into the the muscles that we want to work and stuff in a bit. Um, but then I also just want to cover the, obviously the mental benefits of it as well. Um, it, it's really, it, it's probably not talked about enough. Um, the, the complete shift that happens in your life. Um, there's a change of identity that women start to feel. There's so many hormonal changes. And by getting your exercise in, it's also going to lift your mood. So that's two Pretty good starting points yeah. for um, starting strength training during pregnancy. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, you probably shouldn't need any more reasons to, to start I'd strength training. I'd say those pretty strong not, points yeah, to yeah. begin with. Yeah. Better for your mental well-being and, and, and less pain sounds like a pretty good Yeah, pretty exactly. Good yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. So that was really interesting, obviously, from a postural standpoint. Pelvis potentially changes position. Centre of mass changes. That sounds so obvious when you say it like that. <laughs> Not something I'd ever really, obviously, considered. Honestly, obviously, all of, of this stuff change. is so common sense. I think there there is a little bit of like a, um, a, a bit of a fear around it because you think that you're dealing with another life. I mean, we are. De- you're growing a baby, but I think there is a little bit of, of fear, and it kind of masks the fact that actually a lot of this is just common sense stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's great. That definitely kind of helps me in terms of like being okay with with coaching clients. So mm. at the end of the day, I guess our job is to solve problems, right? So if you've got a client and they can't squat and they can't control their center of mass, whether that's because they're pregnant or not, I'm essentially just trying to solve a problem and have, get them to move in a way that kind of looks squatty. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what's the difference? No, that's cool. That That's really useful. But um, so yeah, in terms of obviously there's some, there's some kind of changes there. So for someone that is maybe trying to train themselves through pregnancy, they maybe don't have a coach. Mm-hmm. What do some of those considerations look like in terms of choosing exercises and how to train around those potential changes to things like pelvis position and centre of mass? Yeah, so... Okay, I'll talk about it through the trimesters because that's quite a nice way to think about it. So general points I would say to focus on are your, would be strengthening your posterior chain. So that's basically the back of your body. So what I said before about um, everything kind of happening at the front of the body, we want to really focus on strengthening the muscles that are at the back. So if you think about your hamstrings, your glutes, the back muscles, that would be like a really great starting point for you to focus on. So for example, your squats, your hip thrusts, any kind of rowing and pulling motion is a really good place to start when you're if you're putting together a workout for yourself. I would definitely then start to include some balance work because um, your balance can start to feel a little bit off. So that would be like another general thing that I would focus on. 
Um, and then if we talk about if we talk about kind of going through the trimesters, so in your first trimester tends to be that there's quite a lot of sickness, tiredness. I'm I'm talking from like a, a general point of view here, but um usually that is what tends to happen. So it might be that actually your training doesn't feel the same as as what it did before. Nothing um in terms of exercise selection is really going to change that much during the first trimester but it might be that you need to take any kind of conditioning elements out of it because you might be feeling a little bit more tired you might be feeling nauseous um and yeah and maybe starting to think about um what the exercises that I said before strengthening the back of the body um, then as you move into the second trimester, it's funny, a lot of my clients will literally one day just flip and be like, I feel so much better. And I'm like, wow, that happened literally overnight. And they're like, yeah, that is what it felt like. So you start to feel less nauseous, um, less tired, hopefully. Um, and then once you get into that second trimester, you want to try and keep the volume of your sessions up. So between zero and 20 weeks, that's when you want to keep the volume up. So you're kind of thinking between eight to 12 reps um, when you're doing your strength training um, because your placenta is essentially forming in that first zero to 20 weeks. Um, one thing I haven't covered as well is breathing. So breathing is going to be super important during your whole pregnancy um try to put it in the simple way as, as possible basically as the bump starts to grow it's going to press up on your diaphragm so that's just located at the bottom of your ribs um and it might be that you start to breathe a little bit more into the chest which isn't ideal because then it starts to it kind of makes us a little bit stiff if you're if you're breathing up here and we're not using um yeah, if you're not using your diaphragm, it's part of your core. So you've got four parts to your core. You've got your diaphragm, your pelvic floor, your abdominals, and then your back muscles. So if we aren't using our diaphragm properly, it's going to affect different parts of the core. So you want to really think about diaphragmatic breathing. Um, I don't know if you do that with clients yeah. anyway. Yeah, so it's something that um, I would 100% be doing with all my pregnant clients. Um, and that's essentially just popping your hands at the bottom of your ribs, breathing in and making sure that the ribs are really expanding. Um, so I would always do that before before a workout. Um, I'd also include a bit of pelvic floor work as well. So pelvic floor squeezes. Um, I don't know if you know much about that. I don't know if you want me to go into yeah, no, how please, to do that. Do. Feels like a little bit like I'm going off here, but there's just so much to, yeah. <laughs> to cover. Um, so... As I said, the diaphragm presses up. The pelvic floor is going to experience increased load because you've got your baby growing on top of it. So you want to keep that pelvic floor strong. Um, so you want to be including pelvic floor squeezes. And I would say at the start of your workout, it's a good place to, to be doing them. I think the recommendation is that you do them every day. But, you know, realistically, we're not going to we're probably not going <laughs> to remember to do that. I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't. Um, so I always include it with my clients just to make sure that we're doing a little bit of pelvic floor strengthening. It's a muscle you can't see. So it's, it's, it's one we want to make sure that we are including. Um, and to do that, um, there's different images. They've actually done a study on, um, 
how best to engage your pelvic floor because obviously as a coach you can't see yeah. it, it working um, you've just got to feel it so um, yeah in the study they what images did they say they said so imagine you're attaching a zip from your bum hole up to your belly button and you're trying to zip it up right feel that <laughs> I feel something I'm not sure if it's right or not um the second one was imagine that you've got you won't be able to do this one a straw stuck up your vagina and you're sucking something really thick up like Guinness that was the second one um and the third one so the most the one that they found in the study that was the most um effective way to um engage your pelvic floor was to hold in a fart which we've all We've Easy. all done at some Should've point. Should have just started with that one. Yeah. I've, got, I've, got, I've nailed that one already. <laughs> so that's what I say to my clients. Just imagine you're holding in wind and then you're completely relaxing it. And yeah, that's something that I would always do at the start of sessions would be the breathing and the pelvic floor work. Hey, it's Leo here. Just very quickly interrupting this podcast episode to share with you a really exciting announcement. The Nexus team are now available to take on new one-on-one online nutrition clients. So if you're interested in working with myself or anyone on the team for your nutrition, health or body composition based goals, then follow the link in the show notes and you can see all of the information on what that might look like to work with us. How long would kind of those holds be for on the the pelvic floor? Yeah, so you want to do a mix um, because you've got slow twitch fibres and you've got fast twitch fibres in your pelvic floor muscles. So the the fast ones are like for when you cough and it's got to hold in that pressure and the like um, a really big fart yeah <laughs> a got huge it. one yeah, yeah. No, got there. it yeah. um and then the slow ones are like you know when you're on the bus and you really need a wee and you're like <laughs> holding it in that vibe so um you want to do a mix so i think the recommendation would be to do it every day and it would be 10 um fast ones so that would just be like a flick so you would think squeeze release squeeze, release. Um, And the slow ones you're trying to hold for 10 seconds and then release. So if I was teaching it to a client, then I would just at the start of the session do 10 quick ones and then 10 slow ones because then at least, you know, it's been covered. Yeah, yeah, so breathing and pelvic floor. Um, And I would do that throughout the whole pregnancy. And then carrying on into the second trimester, um, you would you would definitely include, as I've said, kind of glute strengthening, and then you would want to include again that balance work. I'm trying to think what else. Um, and this is when you would start to modify. So the bump is getting a little bit bigger. And again, mm-hmm. what we said about common sense, you would just modify to where the client's at because everyone's going to be different. And um, if you're feeling like you're doing a squat and it doesn't feel quite right, the bump's getting in the way, or if you were to do a, a deadlift and it was getting in the way, you would then start to raise the plates up and change it. So it's really just about modifying exercises to accommodate to, to where you're at and where your body's at. When it comes to the third trimester, you are carrying on with those modifications, carrying on with that breathing and pelvic floor work. And then I would start to do a little bit of hip mobility in preparation for birth. So that would include um, standing and moving in external rotation. So that means that your toes are turned out and you're in quite a wide stance. And that is going to open up and mobilize the top of your pelvis. Then moving into the middle of your pelvis, that's things that 
would be it's hard to do it without <laughs> actually showing it um so if you imagine walking on a pavement so one foot is on the pavement and one foot is on the road and it's that kind of sideways motions um that would open up the middle of the pelvis and then to open up the bottom of the pelvis you would be doing movements with internal rotation so that means that your toes would be pointing in and your heels would be pointing out and that would just open up the the bottom of the pelvis so it's kind of your pelvis is going to get a little bit stuck Mm -hmm. as you get more pregnant so it's just including movements that are going to help to mobilize um that area yeah awesome it's quite a lot of information for you there so no, that's good i've got a few i've got a few questions from, okay. from all of that i mean firstly for i mean i imagine if you're pregnant you've probably done a bit of research you know kind of what the trimesters are but for any coaches listening um can we just define like the length of like trimester one two and, and three like where, yeah what so the, i would just usually say three six nine simple months, basically cool. yeah 12, 24, uh, they, they can go up to 40, but yeah. it would usually be like 38, cool. 39 Perfect. weeks. That was, a simple, yeah. that was a simple one. Yeah. The the breathing, I found that obviously really interesting. Again, super obvious when you think about it, that diaphragm is going to be pressed up. Mm. And I think for anyone listening that kind of like maybe laughed at that and went, mm, everyone knows how to breathe. I'm sure like you, obviously, especially if you're working with prenatal clients, but I have so many clients and they just can't breathe very well, especially um, during exercise. But a lot of them don't breathe particularly well, you know, even when they're not training. You do that first consultation, you're sitting down, you're watching them chatting and they're all kind of stiff through the neck. And every time they take a breath in, you can can hear how my voice has changed, can't you? So obviously that breathing is super important. Do you think that, because I'm thinking about the the clients that struggle kind of with their breathing, they're all... I mean, I guess you're technically probably always postnatal once you've had kids, right? But they're mm. not postnatal in terms of they've had kids recently, but they are all mums. So could that potentially have been when that dysfunction started, that their breathing changed during pregnancy and then they just haven't really relearned how to breathe? Or do you think that's not related at all? I, I definitely think it is. Um, I know we're not talking too much about postnatal today, but it's definitely once you've given birth, it is very much relearning how to do things. So honestly the one thing I've learned from from being in this um area is how important breathing is and it definitely is something that you can lose and if for example if you're not practicing it during pregnancy mm-hmm. it's going to be a, a lot of relearning in the postnatal period so it's such a good idea to start it during pregnancy yeah. um Makes sense yeah because it, it can be quite a a hard one to relearn especially if you've been breathing up in your chest for for such a long time um i'd say as well breathing is super important um in managing your intra-abdominal pressure so knowing when to breathe in exercises is very important as well during pregnancy and postpartum yeah interesting i've never really correlated the, the the two like that until you said that but obviously when you said like do you have clients do diaphragmatic breathing and do you look at that i'm thinking like yeah of course because half of them don't know how to breathe mm-hmm. and i'm only just now starting to realize that they are mostly also the the, the mums so that's interesting yeah i think it, it's hard to get across how important it is because I, I totally get it you're like but i breathe every day like there's nothing yeah there's nothing wrong with it but a lot of um a lot of causes of, if we talk about diastasis, um, prolapse, you know, common things that happen during and after pregnancy, a lot of it, the foundation of recovery 
from what I've spoke to women's health physios about is breathing properly. And that is really like the the foundation of it all. And that's where you build yeah. from. I mean, I imagine obviously the you're potentially a bit more stressed in pregnancy, especially at the start. Because oh, yeah, you're probably. a bit like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and considering our breathing can very much control that kind of parasympathetic and, and sympathetic nervous system, I imagine the importance of breathing actually goes up, if anything, when pregnant to kind of help control that stress response. Yeah, 100%. I think for me, what I've said to clients that it makes it click a little bit more is mentioning that, you know, this is actually core work that we're doing as well. On top of all the other benefits of breathing, like we, we, we are literally working our core when we are breathing, if we do it properly. And core is such a, it, there's so many myths around core yeah. during pregnancy, isn't there? So I think that's when it kind of clicks and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I sense. understand why this is important yeah. now. So if you say to someone, we're going to train your breathing, they'd be like, what? Yeah. But if you're like, hey, we're going to train core, everyone's like, I want to, I love yeah, training core. Yeah, love it. Everyone loves training yeah, core. Exactly. So no, that's cool. I'm stealing that tip in terms of <laughs> positioning it to clients. So thank you for that. Um, what I love about doing it, how you said kind of doing it pre-workout as well, because that makes so much sense, right? Like if a client struggles to fill their glutes in a RDL or whatever, you would probably set them up with an exercise or some constraints that would kind of put that put them in an environment to win, right? Where it's like, I can't really not feel my glutes here. Or you'd investigate why they can't feel their glutes working. Mm. You wouldn't just get them RDLing anyway, then, you know, it hurts their back or whatever, right? Yeah. So if this client is saying, I, I can't really get my breath right, I can't match my breath to this exercise, it makes sense to practice that breathing separately first rather 100%. than trying to learn it at the same time as doing the reps. So yeah. that's, again, sounds really simple now you've said it like that, but yeah. it actually makes a lot of sense to kind of do breathing as part of your warm-up. Yeah, it grounds you into the session and I would suggest doing it in different positions as well. Same with your pelvic floor squeezes. You're obviously, you breathe in different positions anyway. You're going to be using your pelvic floor in different positions in life anyway, so it's a really good idea to do it um, lying down, side lying, sitting, standing up, and then obviously within movement as well. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I think I, I definitely now, now you've said that, need to play around with doing it in some kind of probably a greater variety of positions. I'll kind of typically have clients lie on their back, feet on the wall, sometimes creating a bit of internal rotation, maybe a foam roller between the knees or something, mm. kind of hands on the, you know, the, the diaphragm rib cage mm-hmm. and just focusing on that breath. So um, yeah, probably good to do that in a, in a few variety of different positions rather than just that one. Yeah, I think it's just like imprinting it into their body, isn't it, in those different positions. So then when it comes to, say, doing it when they're squatting, it's a little bit more familiar yeah. to them. Because it can be a lot. That it, it's And listening to this, it might be like, oh, God, there's a lot to think about. But even if you just took away one thing from this and was like, I'm just going to do some deep breaths before I start, like, perfect. That's that's one thing. Tick. Yeah. Um it can be a lot when I'm doing it with clients of, right, this is when you need to breathe. This is when you need mm. to squeeze your pelvic floor. But just, yeah, keep it as simple as you can. Yeah, I think that if I want anyone to kind of take something away from this so far, I think you've done a great job of being like, it's not that scary to strength train when pregnant. And hopefully it's going to come across like that. And it's going to be, yeah, people are going to be more likely to want to exercise rather than rather than less. I think by using the analogies you did around holding in a fart, I think that's <laughs> yeah. that's great because anyone, everyone remembers it. Yeah, everyone remembers that. But I think also a lot of a lot of the time people in the fitness industry will produce content. They'll use a lot of big words, right? Because it's kind of like we want to appear smart. Mm-hmm. And all that really does is like position us up here and make it seem like there's a lot of barriers to it. Mm-hmm. So I love those analogies because anyone that's normally like scared about uh, the barrier to entry of strength training, like we just reduce that barrier to... I think that is a barrier to exercise for women because it's like you're not quite fully understanding 
what you're doing because it's not your language. The more you can just keep things as simple as you can, the better in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. So, so far we've kind of got the importance of training the, the posterior chain, the back mm -hmm. muscles in particular, and um, breathing in the pelvic floor in particular in, mm -hmm. in warm ups. Um, something else you mentioned I thought was interesting was actually hip thrusts. And um, mm. just again, without really putting much thought into it, hip thrusts are something that would kind of come to mind as me as, as an exercise you'd no longer be able to do mm. when pregnant. So um, yeah, I mean, tell me why I'm wrong if that's okay then. <laughs> Okay, so totally individual to to whoever you are, whoever the client is. So you can hip thrust. It just, you just need to see how it feels for you. So if your bump is getting super big, putting a barbell underneath it is probably not the most comfortable setup for you. So what you can do is do a banded hip thrust. So that's where, um, say you're on the hip thrust machine, you can attach a band um around underneath your bump and do it from there um there's no reason why you you can't do it I know it it looks quite scary and I wouldn't suggest like loading up a barbell and going for it but there's there is a regression to every movement that if you're comfortable to do it then go for it um you know I have some postnatal clients who have had a c-section and they just don't want to do it it's not comfortable so we won't do it and um, I've got some pregnant clients who have done them all the way up to their pregnancy and they want to carry on doing them in whatever capacity that is so you've got to find um the balance of of you know working the muscles that you want to but also you or your client feeling comfortable with that so I mean a hip thrust is a great one for the glutes so why yeah why not do it equally if you're not comfortable don't do it makes sense simple yeah <laughs> i think that they're one of those exercises obviously i'm sure you've had some clients that don't enjoy doing them i've had a couple but the majority of of women kind of you know if they're going to train they love doing a hip thrust right and i guess yeah. as we've said it's about keeping it enjoyable as well exactly and you know once you it, once you're further along into like your third trimester maybe putting a band around your knees and doing it body weight is is enough so it's just finding yeah finding yeah. the movement that works best for you yeah perfect i think we've covered some really great stuff there in terms of training kind of throughout the trimesters um are there anything else that you would like love women that are strength training going for the pregnancy to know in terms of misconceptions things that they're scared about or just kind of like some main tips that you feel like i wish more women strength training throughout pregnancy knew this um yeah i think what i said before about pain not having to be a requirement during pregnancy so I think what has annoyed me the most in in a good way has been learning that actually women don't have to put up with pain it doesn't have to be like well this is happening to your body so deal with it there is things that you can do so I'll, I'll go into uh, a quite a common example of lower back pain it's like it's one of those things that when you're pregnant, it, it can be quite a horrible thing to have. Um, so when you, how do I word this? Um, if you do experience lower back pain, there are exercises that you can do to help. So I don't know if you've worked a lot with like the slings in the body, mm -hmm, like yep. the sling system. So obviously if you're, a, if you're listening to this and you have no idea, um, your body kind of works with, different slings so you have just to 
put it as simply as possible, you have um, fascia and ligaments and tissue that work on opposite sides of the body that will connect together. So, for example, if you've got pain in your lower back, it may be that you need to strengthen the back muscle, so the lat muscle on one side and the glute on the opposite side because the the lower back is in between that lat muscle and your glute muscle, so your bum muscle. So exercises that are going to be great for your lower back pain or if you're um, suffering from pelvic girdle pain, so um, SI joint pain in particular, so that's the pain in the SI joint at the back. Um, exercises that work those two muscles together are going to be really beneficial in strengthening that area and maybe alleviating a little bit of that lower back pain. Obviously, this is quite a blanket statement. I'm not saying that one there's going to be one exercise that's going to fix that. But my point is, is that there are exercises and there are things you can do that mean that it might help with the pain that you're experiencing during pregnancy. So I would say, like, don't put up with it find a solution, find someone that can that, that can help you. So find a PT, find a, a physio, and yeah, don't put up with that pain. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm sorry, that was quite a quick explanation of those things. I that's know there's okay. a lot more to it, but... Um, so I'll ask you a question there anyway, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, when I've got had clients, obviously, back pain, never because they've you know been pregnant, but back, back pain in general, when I say, hey, you know, actually point, point to where this pain actually is, I'd say roughly 50% of the time, it's actually more their SI joint. So mm. considering that, at least in my experience, seems to be a, a very common source of discomfort um, and you touched on it there, maybe just yeah, elaborate on that a little bit, if that's OK. Like how would someone kind of be able to point, feel or figure out if it's kind of more back pain or more like SI joint? Usually with SI joint pain, what I found anyway um, is that it's a bit more... Um, specific like you can feel it and it's to the side um it is to one side so you'll experience si joint pain on the right or the left side of your sacrum so of your lower back um when it's been lower back pain it's kind of more like a dull ache of that's what i've experienced with my yeah. clients yeah. yeah makes sense Perfect. Um, obviously, with like setting up your program, your exercise frequency, there's obviously lots of considerations and variables there, which aren't necessarily prenatal related. Mm. Um, but if you are a female listening and you're like, okay, maybe I feel a little bit lost in terms of where do I start? Am mm. I doing full body? How many times should I strength train? What would you maybe say in terms of you would be like an ideal overview of a program? Mm. Um, frequency wise, going back to Active Pregnancy Foundation, they suggest two strength training sessions a week. Um, but it's totally, it's totally to the individual. I would say full body sessions every time. Um, a lot of my clients are coming twice a week and it's two full body. Um, it really depends on what you did before. You're not really going to come in and not have not done anything and then crank it up to three sessions a week you've got to make it work in with your lifestyle your your life is changing so you've got to make it fit in with what you're doing so start with that two strength sessions a week if you can and then fit in your other activities around that and remember I said it doesn't have to be prescribed yep. exercise it could be Anything. whatever you enjoy doing whatever you love doing yeah. I love that I think hopefully so far you've done a really great job of making it seem less scary and complicated in terms of what to do 
but okay, also so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also reduce kind of that barrier of like the frequency I think so many people are obviously either used to training four or five times a week and maybe they can't continue that anymore and they feel like two is a bit pointless or for people who aren't currently training just like four to five is just you know either scary or it's just not attainable right so hearing that two times full body a week is more than enough I think hopefully is you know going to resonate with a lot of people yeah exactly it's you've got to I think you've got to look at things differently now you've got to think right I'm actually training to stay to stay healthy um to you know to stay strong during pregnancy and then set the foundations for postnatal so wherever you're at it may mean that you need to drop it down a little bit it it's hard everyone everyone's so different don't don't compare yourself to other to other people as well do what works best for you yeah i think that's obviously fantastic advice all around when it comes to when it comes to exercise isn't it yeah, yeah even more important to, to kind of listen to your body here yeah um are there any like kind of class styles or types that you wouldn't recommend in pregnancy so if you're someone listening and you're like sounds fantastic i want to kind of get into training to support my pregnancy mm. don't really feel confident going to the gym by myself um maybe can't afford pt but are looking at kind of that in-between option of some sort of class type you know model uh, are there any options there that you wouldn't recommend or any options that are better than others yeah, and classes are such a good, are such a good option. Um, I'd say from my experience, what's worked really well for clients have been bar classes. Bar is low impact; it's very much lower body strengthening, um, and it's generally pretty safe. There's not that much um, that you you could do you couldn't really do any harm in a bar class um to avoid it's it's hard I would say probably a a hit class with lots of high impact jumping you might want to avoid there you might go in and the instructor might be fully comfortable in giving you um recommendations of things to do instead um, and it's not to say that you can't join in with what you can, but it might be a better idea to go to something that's a little bit more low impact. So, you know, things like kettlebell classes and anything that's that's weighted strength training would be perfect. Spinning is great. Um, there's not really anything that would be like, absolutely not, don't go. I remember doing my prenatal qualification at first and they were like, things you can't do are... Um, horse riding skydiving um something else that you could fall off and I thought well most people probably aren't doing that anyway yeah. so we don't have to really hammer that advice down yeah I think they say bungee jumping as well yeah, don't bungee, they? yeah. yeah like no bungee jumping it's like <laughs> you probably wouldn't do that anyway probably wouldn't yeah probably it's just common sense isn't it yeah I would say if you if you're worried about it ask um the who's ever in charge of the gym of where you're going and just say look is there any classes that you have pre and postnatal qualified instructors because I know they've definitely done that at our gym before and they'll be happy to send you a list of classes where they are specifically qualified um because there's nothing worse than going to a class and the instructor is is not comfortable and it just makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable as well so I definitely I would definitely ask that and then just say at the start look I'm I'm pregnant if anything needs modified let me know and yeah. that would be your best thing to do. I think that's great advice. It sounds so simple, but I think so many people don't want to maybe like 
kick up a fuss at all or you know to start to like, advocate for themselves right so i yeah. think contacting that gym in advance and asking like it's not not a big deal you've obviously got every right to do that not at all and you know women are scared to take up space you know take it up and ask it's it's your it's for your benefit and usually well they should be more than happy to help with that. So definitely don't think, never think that you're a burden for asking these questions because people are happy to help. Yeah. That's a great point. I love that. And if they aren't, probably find a new gym. Yeah. And give them your money anyway. 100%. So, yeah, it's a win-win really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazing. So for the kind of coaches listening, um, mm. obviously I think my understanding is you do need to be pre and postnatal qualified to obviously yeah. work with, with clients. So I guess that's probably a good place to start um i know you've said that the course is kind of ever-changing there's a lot of new research coming out so do you have any recommendations um, at the moment in particular in terms of where is the most up-to-date evidence-based place we can kind of go and get pre and postnatal qualified yeah it's, it's a funny one because when i first got qualified i remember it was like a two-day course and i remember coming out of it feeling more scared than comfortable to it's not a good course it's, it's it wasn't a good course and then I was very fortunate enough to work at a women's only gym that really specialized in pre and postnatal training so I really got that experience and ended up loving it and went on to do other courses um so I think I would definitely recommend if you're going to do it do it properly and really invest in a in a in a good course um I'd recommend the ones that I did were with a woman called Jenny Burrell and a company called Mama Stay Fit. So it's like Namaste, but with an M. Really great. Um, and then in terms of finding, you know, the, the latest evidence and research, always the Active Pregnancy Foundation, they offer a short course as well on kind of the, the most up-to-date research when it comes to exercise and activity during pregnancy. And then what I found really useful is following and also speaking to women's health physios because, you know, what I should say as well is that we can't, we can't say, we can't say, you know, you've, you've got diastasis, this is the issue here. We've got to then refer out to pelvic health physios. So for me, following them and chatting to them has been really eye-opening Um off the top of my head, like really good ones to follow would be Emma Brockwell. She has her own podcast as well. Helen Keeble and a woman called Gronje Donnelly. Those three are kind of like quite um, quite big in the space um, of, of pelvic health physiotherapy. So really, really great people to follow Amazing. yeah make sure we get those in the in the show notes yeah um would you say great to follow for um clients as well uh, as coaches or what who would kind of be your main people to follow if you're a client client listening to this and you go maybe i need to visually see some of these examples mm. that we've described um or potentially just want to look into this a little bit more i think definitely those three again um there's also well, there's so many good people. Um, there's also a pelvic health physio called Claire Bourne who really breaks things down very well. We've also got a physio at our gym, actually, who's amazing. Should have mentioned her, called Jenny Hughes. And they really break things down in a nice, simple way. And it's always, you know, evidence-based. And, you know, they're kind of the latest around that research. So they're good ones to keep up with. Because as much as it's it's so useful when you see people that you followed give birth and exercise, that's what works for them. Um, so don't, like, compare yourself to 
people that you follow because yeah. it's it's never going to be um it's never going to be realistic for you yeah. is it you never know what's going on behind the scenes there either do you they're just exactly. showing little snapshots exactly yeah um something else that's just come to my head there if you can or if you're looking for like a gift to give to a pregnant woman I would definitely recommend getting checked out by a pelvic health physio I can't tell you how much that helps as a personal trainer as well so they have I don't know if you've heard of mummy MOT I haven't no. no so there's a thing called a mummy MOT where you go in and you get checked for diastasis you get checked for uh, your pelvic floor gets checked it's a really thorough checkup and they give you a little summary of everything and when I've had clients come and give that to me it's just like oh this is so easy. They've literally outlined everything that they need to thrive during the postnatal period. Um, and I think that's really the best gift that you could give to someone as well. Like uh, something that's really focusing on the mum and her health. Yeah, that's brilliant. And what kind of point is that done at, sorry, in the in the pregnancy? Um, so that's done postnatally. Just, okay. So that would be, you know how you get like your six to eight week checkup with the GP? Yeah. Um, it's known for not being super thorough. Um, so it's, it's it's a great idea to, to get that on top. It does cost money. So that's why I'm saying if it's something that you're just not comfortable like digging out the money for, um, then potentially a good gift from someone who's maybe stuck for ideas. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I've never heard of that. So yeah, that, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And uh, is there kind of one main provider for that that you'd recommend or how would we, we kind of look into that? Yeah, so... It, it is the, that kind of, it's called mummy MOT, but there is pelvic health physios that would then just give you a, a, a checkup or an assessment, I think it would be called. But if you type in mummy MOT, then you, you'll find it come up in different places, cool. like somewhere near you. Sorry, I thought that was like what they called the, like <laughs> doing it as opposed to the company name. No, yeah, that's the company. Yeah, but... Cool. It's a cool name. Yeah, no, that is a cool name. No, that makes, that makes yeah. more sense now. Amazing. Um, is there anything you feel like we've kind of missed that you'd like to go over in terms of empowering women to kind of get the strength training going during pregnancy? I think maybe one thing that we've not covered would be diastasis. Um, it's quite a, it's quite a big topic, but I think it, it is something that women get quite scared mm. about. So what I would say about that is that um, so diastasis is the um, thinning and widening of the linea alba. So that's the connective tissue between your rectus abdominis, so your six-pack muscles. So every woman will experience this at some point to some degree in their pregnancy. So if you're kind of scrolling through Instagram and it's like talking about diastasis and you're like, oh my God, have I got that? Um pretty much every woman is going to get that to some extent. It should go away um, or it should kind of go back to normal um, within six to eight weeks post-birth. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, and that is something, again, that you can go and speak to your pelvic health physio about or that you could bring up with a PT and they'd be able to help you um, with. There's quite a lot of scaremongering around what exercises like you should avoid if you have diastasis. It's That's just it's not the case anymore it's not a kind of do's and don'ts list um just to make it as simple as possible for anyone listening think of it like any other exercise that you're doing if you were doing um well let's just use a squat again for, as an example if you were doing a squat with um a really heavy load and you couldn't do it you would take load off so if you are doing an exercise with 
diastasis and you start to see what's called coning, um, which is when the linea alba kind of pops up because it's kind of that mismanagement of pressure. Um, you don't have to, all you need to do is regress the movement. So a lot of the time it's like, don't do crunches. You need to do the exercises that is going to build up the strength in your abdominals. So if you are doing an exercise and you do start to see a little bit of coning, just regress the movement. So for example, just to make it super simple, if you were doing a plank position, for example, and you were noticing that you had a gap and there was a little bit of coning, you might want to make that exercise a little bit easier and just pop your hands up a little bit higher. So just raise the hands. And then you might notice that that is just an easier place to manage the pressure at that time. Maybe the next time you then take it back to that plank and see see how it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Just to be clear, sorry, are we referring to like literally during the during the set, during the exercise, or is that something that would happen delayed, like afterwards? So it would be during the literally set. During so if you think, it. like a good image is like thinking of a, if you have a balloon and you kind of stretched a bit of the balloon and you blew it up, like a little bit would pop out yeah. on that stretch. So if you think about that, um, that is what's happening. It's that if you hold your breath, for example, it might start to cone if you're in an exercise where um, that might happen. So, for example, that's why crunches are often quite demonized for diastasis. If you're crunching and then you start to see, you might start to see that coning and um, you might want to avoid that exercise for just now, but do something a little bit easier. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's quite a big topic. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's brilliant. I think it's good. Yeah, my understanding of the ISIS perspective was, yeah, that again, there was quite a lot of fear mongering around it. So I'm, I'm glad we got to touch on that. Yeah, I think fear of movement is not a good thing. Like you don't want to be avoiding any, any movement. Um, it's just useful to think of it simply that if an exercise is not working for you, then take the easier option and start to build from there. Like you would kind of with any yeah. other um, like injury or any exercise that yeah. wasn't quite feeling right yeah i think that's so key because it's at the end of the day like it's relative to what's kind of the appropriate challenge for you on the day right whether you're prenatal postnatal not relevant to you at all if you're a guy like you know any injury as you say it's just okay yeah. what is the appropriate challenge for you on the day and you're never going to turn up every day with a consistent level of energy and stress and sleep so i mean that's a really important skill to learn in training regardless isn't it exactly and those factors are so important because you probably aren't going to be having any sleep your nutrition <laughs> is going to be off um you might be stressed so it's you got to take into account those factors as well for sure yeah so even more important to kind of auto regulate your your training sessions right yeah definitely just i know it's so hard when you listen to a podcast and you're like oh my goodness so much information um but yeah it, i think if if you're worried about something talk to someone talk to an expert and they can help you out a little bit more but then what i would say from this is like just yeah listen to your body what you're doing if anything doesn't feel right trust your intu intuition and and ask for help yeah i love that on the subject of talking to an expert where can people find out a little bit more about yourself oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> um so my instagram is sophie donald underscore pt and i'm quite active on there um i work at a gym a lovely gym called third space in Islington in London so if you're around that area definitely um reach out to me it'd be great to hear from you yeah amazing and then I think you do a few other things don't you you've got like some live classes there's online coaching I do other, yeah I do have on. all that if you if you go to my 
Instagram, it's all there. I do have a website as well. Sorry, I'm not really um, <laughs> like, oh, selling yeah, myself here. <laughs> I do offer quite a lot. Um, that's sophiedonaldpt.com. So I do offer um, online coaching if you are pre and postnatal. And um, yeah, there's lots of other offerings during the ye- during the year at kind of all different price points. So I'm really I'm really passionate about making exercise and fitness accessible to women of all phases of their life um, at kind of whatever place you're at in your life um so yeah come find me yeah i love that is there any kind of one thing in particular coming up that's date specific that you'd like to that you'd like to mention that you're up to um i do have i've got a september challenge coming up um which is all taking place online um i'm always taking on new pre and postnatal online one-to-one coaching clients um and then i'll be going again in january for another january challenge if you want to get in on that so yeah, that's keeping me busy at the moment. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. So thank you so much for, for coming on today and, and chatting about all things um obviously prenatal and strength training in pregnancy. Um yeah, can't wait to kind of get this one out for everyone. And if you'd like to at some point, I'd absolutely love to do the postnatal training equivalent. Yeah, definitely. I would love to come back on again. There's there's just so much to cover. So yeah, yeah I'm definitely keen for that. And thanks so much for having me. Amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for, for being here. So I can't yeah, I can't wait to get this episode out. And I picked up a few little gems there, so I really, really appreciate that yay i'm glad amazing thank you (laughs) if you've enjoyed today's episode it would be amazing if you could do us a massive favor and leave us a review and even if possible a comment the reason why this is so useful for us is it allows us to know which type of content and which guests are best going to be relevant for you and your goals so that we can continue to make the podcast even better for you in the future thank you so much so far for all of your support on the women's wellness show